In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, many of you here today know that I like to run. Uh, it's one of my hobbies, which probably makes me a little bit crazy, uh, but I like it. And, and I actually think that one of the best ways to explore somewhere new, like if you're on vacation or you've moved to a new place, is to go for a run. And, and so when my wife and I, when we moved here, uh, after coming back from the seminary, that was one of the first things I did after we moved into the parsonage uh, the next morning. I remember it well. I woke up. It was a hot, sunny day. It was like the middle of June, and I I set out on the streets to go for a jog. Now, little did I know, and sorry that this uh, map didn't turn out too well, little did I know that this is what the roads look like, and if you can't make out the little squiggly white lines that are the streets, um, I'll just tell you that the roads around here are ridiculous. There is no grid, there is no pattern, there's no like system and square. There's all these little roads that curve in back in on themselves that that end up in nowhere. There's lots of dead end roads, um, roads and and streets with no outlets. And so I set out and I crossed over Dundee Road right over here and I went for my run. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I remember going for maybe about half an hour uh, when all of a sudden I thought, okay, I got to turn around, it's hot, I got to get back. And maybe five minutes went by. I wasn't recognizing anything. Ten minutes go by. I'm thinking, okay, now I feel like I'm going in circles. Another half an hour goes by, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm, I'm lost. And finally, I remember I made it out to some busy road, and I think, okay, now I'm, I'll be able to find some sort of landmark. I'll be able to tell where I am. But there was no street sign, which is weird. And I, so I didn't know what road I was at, so I just turned left, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll find something. But I didn't. I turned right. Thought I'd find something, but I didn't. And eventually, I just had to stop and kind of laugh at myself and shake my head and say, how did I get here? Um, And maybe you've thought the same. I won't tell you if this has happened to me, but maybe you've been driving one day and you're jamming out to the music or you're worrying about some family issue or you're trying to solve some problem at work and your mind is just going. And half an hour goes by, and when you finally kind of come to it, you look around and you think, "Uh uh-oh, Uh, How did I get here? Because you're not anywhere where you set off to go. Uh, But I think it happens other times too. Uh, Maybe one day you find yourself just filled with this anger that is not like you. And and one day you're yelling at your kids or your spouse or a coworker, and your normally calm demeanor has been replaced with this rage inside of you. And when you step back from it finally, you just have to wonder, how did I get here? (laughs) Or... Or maybe, uh, maybe the credit card bill comes in, in the mail after the holidays and you set it on the office desk next to the mortgage payment, uh, next to the car loan, next to the student loan bill. And, and as you look at your pile of debt that's only getting bigger, you have to, to wonder to yourself, how did I get here? How did I get myself in, in all of this mess? Uh, or maybe, maybe you've asked the question from a hospital room. Uh, You've always been healthy. You've taken care of yourself. You get your checkups. You exercise. You eat well. Uh, But now all of a sudden you've got these tubes coming out of you and tests are being done to you and and doctors are saying words about you in some foreign language. And now from that hospital room, normally healthy you has to wonder, how did I get here? How did I end up here uh, sick in a hospital? I, I think we ask it of ourselves sometimes when it comes to our sin. I think our sin often leaves us feeling uh, confused and dazed and wondering, how did I end up in this mess, right? Uh, maybe it's gossip that has overtaken your life at work and you're saying things about people 
And whether they're true or not, that should never be said out loud. Or, or maybe it's a wandering eye that has turned into to lust that fills your thoughts and desires. Or maybe it's just the pervasive um, selfishness that fills our culture. Whatever it is, you, you find that sin consuming you and controlling you. And when you do step back from it, uh, you have to wonder, how did I get here? So far away from where God wants me. In all of this mess, how did I get here? Uh, well, I, as I was reading uh, our lesson for today from Genesis chapter 3 and just going over it, there's one point about halfway into the reading that I had to wonder, not for myself, but for Adam and Eve, how did you get here? Uh, it comes about halfway through the reading as, as they are there in the garden and they're kind of alone together. They're huddled in, in their shame and their guilt and they're afraid and they're hiding from God. You remember that part? And, and, and they're trying to hide behind a couple of fig leaves, like half naked there in the forest and and, and as I see him sitting there, I, I wonder to myself, how did you get there? Uh, because they had it made, didn't they? Uh, I mean, just a, a few verses before that, here they are living with, with God in, in the garden. He, he had given them this world. He had made the earth and everything in it, and he had placed them there in his love. And then he formed and fashioned each of them and brought them together in, in love. And he had laid this lush garden before them where everything was at their fingertips. He walked and talked with them in, in the cool of the day and and they've thrown all that away. And now they're alone and scared in their shame and guilt, huddled together, trying to cover themselves up by a couple of fig leaves. And I have to wonder for them, how did you get there? Uh, well, actually, Adam and Eve in our reading for today uh, leave us a trail. Uh, they've, they've dropped some breadcrumbs bes- uh, behind them that we can follow today. And so if you are here wondering this morning how you can be like Adam and Eve and how you can end up scared and alone, separated from God in your shame and guilt. Well, today is your lucky day because uh, we actually hear a, a, a road map or a guidebook on how to be like them. Now, I'm sure none of you do, but I think we, in all seriousness, will begin to see some patterns that Adam and Eve show us today on, on how they ended up becoming lost. And I, I think we see right away, uh, how did they get there? Well, for Adam and Eve, it started by believing a lie. If you remember, Satan comes up to them in this beautiful, perfect world that they lived in, and he, he comes to them with a, a question, a very sneaky, deceiving question. He says to them, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, he knows the answer, right? He knows that Adam and Eve know the answer. Um, he knows that that was actually the one thing that God told them not to do, and and yet he asked the question anyway, I, I think because he's, he's trying to plant a seed of doubt in their minds, right? Trying to get them to doubt the truth of God's word, trying to, to begin to lay the foundation so that they would b- believe a lie. Eve pipes in then. She has the answer. Eve says correctly, she says, we may eat fruit from any tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat uh, fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it which is interesting because God never said that they couldn't touch the tree, just that they couldn't eat from it. We don't know why she adds that. Uh, but then she finishes by saying, or you will die. And then Satan comes in, which I think just with a blatant lie, right? It's not a creative lie. It's not an intelligent lie. He just shows up and says, you will not certainly die, which is the exact opposite of what God had just said. But, but Satan goes on. He says, well, God knows when you eat it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like him and you'll know things now. And, and God, you see, he's trying to hold that back from you. And, and what kind of God is that, right? So just go ahead, eat the fruit. You'll be like God. You'll know things. Uh, 
he, he gets them to believe the lie. And I, I think that the same happens with us. We, we believe all sorts of lies when it comes to our sin. We believe the lie that our sin isn't that bad. Uh, we believe the lie that we deserve it because we work hard and we, we deserve to have a little fun sometimes. We believe the lie that everyone else is doing it, so why, why shouldn't we join in? Uh, or, or maybe that it doesn't hurt anyone, so why wouldn't God want us to, to have that fun? Or maybe we believe the lie that the Bible doesn't actually say that, so, so it's okay. We, we believe the lie. Uh, that's, that's the first road on how to get yourself lost and end up like Adam and Eve. The second road, the second path we can take is to act and think and speak selfishly. Because that's what Adam and Eve did, right? They, they believed the lie, then, then they wanted to eat the fruit, so they did. They wanted to be like God, and so they took a bite. They wanted to know things, they wanted to know good and evil, and so they did the one thing that God told them not to do. It it didn't matter to them what God had said or what he wanted. What mattered is what they wanted in that moment. They, they acted selfishly, and I think we would probably all admit that we've been there too. And that sets them then on that road to ending up alone and scared, separated from God in the garden. Uh, the next path they take is they, they begin to shift the blame. Did you catch that? Uh, there they are. They're, they're caught. God calls out to them and says, Hey, did you guys do that one thing I told you not to do? <laughs> Uh, like parents do sometimes to their kids. And uh, Adam immediately has a, an excuse to make, right? He says, well, well that woman, uh, that woman that you put here with me, God, uh, she made me do it. So not only is it Eve's fault because she made him do it, but it's also God's fault because he put that woman there with her. Uh, Adam, his first reaction isn't to own up for it or to take any sort of responsibility. His first reaction is to shift the blame. And, and as we'll see then, that leaves him and, and Eve, they're, they're, they're guilty, they're full of shame, and they're hiding from God. They've turned away from him. And truthfully, uh, this is a, a good way. These are just some steps that if you want to end up like Adam and Eve, you, you follow these steps. You don't need to do them in any sort of order. You don't even need to follow all of these steps. I think just one or two will do, and, and you too will end up alone in your sin, separated from God. And, and the truth is that I wish there was kind of an alternate list to this. You know, a, a list on how to find your way out or how to unlose yourself. I wish it was that easy. I wish there was some seminar that we could all go to or, or some list of rules we could all follow uh, that would allow us to, to find our way out. But it doesn't work that way. It didn't work that way for Adam and Eve, did it? No, they were just there in their sin. They had separated themselves. They're guilty. They're full of shame. And, and what happens next, though, because that's not the end of the story, is... It's something beautiful. Uh, right there in their shame and their guilt, a voice comes to them, right? As they're lost there in the garden, a voice speaks, a voice they recognize. And if you've ever been lost, like really lost, I would imagine that a voice, a recognizable voice calling out to you at that moment is the one thing that, uh, that you are so happy to hear, right? And in Adam and Eve's case, it's the voice of God. And he's calling out to them. And, and he's, he's saying to them, where are you? He says, where are you? And I think that God asked that question not because he doesn't know where they are. Of course God knows where they are, doesn't he? He's God. He knows everything. But he asked that question because he is calling out to them. He is searching for them. He's seeking them. Uh, these three words, I think, are some of the most gospel-saturated words. They're, they're words from a God who longs to be with his people, who knows his people's sins. He, he knows what they did. He, he knows that they did the one thing he told them not to do, and yet he continues to call, he continues to pursue, he continues to seek them and, and find them, and nothing's going to stop that. 
And when he gets there to them, of, of course he has some words of consequence for them, right? Yeah, there's some punishment that's going to come because they messed up. He tells Eve that having kids is really going to hurt now. He tells Adam that the, the work he has set out to do, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's going to be hard. He, he lets them both know that because of what they've done, sin and death has entered the world and they will no longer live as they were supposed to in that garden. Uh, but even more so, I, I think we see God's pursuing grace. Where are you, he says, as he searches and seeks and finds his people. See, that's the kind of God we have. That's, that's what we see in the garden. That's what we see in the manger, right? Uh, God coming to us, seeking, searching, pursuing his people, dwelling among us. That's what we see on the cross with outstretched arms as, as God is continuing to seek and, seek and search and find and pursue his people who never gives up, who, who knows our sin and yet continues to call out to us anyway. That's a God who loves his people with an amazing, unending love. In Jesus' name, amen.